You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. What time is it? Tank time! I was going to say it's game time, or at least it's six rings and football things. Game preview time. It's not time to sit down to the Thanksgiving table yet, Andy. Soon enough, I understand, if you've listened to the podcast earlier this week here, and this, of course, is six rings and football things brought to you by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. You know the drill. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Andy Jumbo Hart, and you as we discuss the New England Patriots and their latest gridiron endeavor. That would be Sunday's game at one o'clock at the razor against the Washington commanders. They three and five, we two and six. Oh, but the ratings bonanza and gridiron challenge, the footy action that is to come. Uh, No, as you heard earlier this week, uh, Andy came up with the term. We were looking for something to phrase out exactly how you can Give it your best, yet embrace the suck at the same time. Andy previously had said, we're not tanking, we just stink. Uh, The Patriots really, well, yeah, they do kind of stink. But uh, it would potentially be in their best interest maybe to give it their all, considering how injured and compromised and behind multiple eight balls they are at this point, uh, to try, try, try again, and not win a whole ton and then up their draft status. And, of course, we have addressed on multiple podcasts this week, and it's been a very good week of content here on the Six Rings feed, of course. You can listen to our episode discussing the Josh McDaniels firing in Vegas. You can hear our episode as we break down the Mike Florio Pro Football Talk rumor, or uh, it's not a report. It's a is a report or a reamer, if you will. Report Murdoch? <laughs> exactly. Uh, talking about the... That little storyline Fox News did forever, and that's what got him in trouble. They had a lot of reports. Right, right exactly. Reports. Well, that's not our dominion, Andrew. Well oh, done, Fitzy. Not bad. Yeah. See, I see what I did These there. Two people, not bad. You don't want to go million okay, all right, all right. Easy. All right. Anyway, listen, why don't you relax, take a seat on my pillow, and we'll just continue the conversation. Um, Mike Florio said, of course, he had heard a rumor about the commanders potentially uh, contacting the Patriots this offseason or this upcoming offseason to see if Bill Belichick would be available and what the price would be. Very, very, very good argumentative content as well. And and recently, Andy and our guy Mike Cadlick from WEI.com sat down and did Cadlick's Crucial Clash. Clash. See, I almost got through it. It's so hard. Now, Cadlick's Crucial Clashes is all about a bunch of different friends who get together and talk football. Cadlick's Crucial Clashes is three matchups you need to pay attention to in advance of Patriots versus Commanders Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Here in the Six Rings Bros put on their preview, we get you pumped, primed, and prepared for this Sunday's football game. Andy, Patriots, like I said, two and six. They are three and a half point favorites, believe it or not, uh, against the commanders coming in. The commanders with a slightly better record. They coached by Ron Rivera. Uh, They dealt away this week two of their best players on the team. 
basically the majority of their pass rush in defensive lineman Chase Young in a contract year and defensive end Montez Sweat also in a contract year. Sweat goes to the Chicago Bears for a second round pick. It's interesting to see them try to get first crack uh, and get him in the building for the lofty price of a second round pick. A second round pick that might be so close to the first round, it'll be like one of those first round adjacent picks. Okay, but uh, they're doing business as business is done, oftentimes poorly, in Chicago. I'll see your Chase Claypool and raise you a Montez Sweat. Chase Young, however, goes to the 49ers, now potentially creating one of the greatest pass rushes in NFL history. Hargreave, Nick Bosa, now Chase Young for a third. Uh, Really, really, really interesting stuff. Where, what kind of like, what kind of compete level should we expect from both of these teams on Sunday, like, is this going to be a bar fight between two alcoholically compromised people outside of a tavern at one thirty in the morning? Are we talking just like football for the sake of football? Who wants it more? Like, I don't know. Like, I've just ne- it has been so long since I've wrapped my mind around a two and six Patriots team hosting a losing football team in early November on a day that, according to the AccuWeather folks, looks like a beautiful day for football. Yeah, I think this is, uh, the kids call a try-hard, somebody who is sort of disparagingly so. I think whoever tries hard in this game could win this game. Um, We've seen the Boston Red Sox show us in recent years that reactions to trade deadlines and GM's decisions Uh um, greatly sway, at least in the uh, clubhouse at Fenway Park, the results that come thereafter. You had one team this week that didn't trade off its assets, the Patriots. You had another team that just gave in on the season and traded 11.5 sacks away from their defense. Um, I think the effort, energy, and attitude, as I like uh-huh. to say, that the two teams present early on at Gillette Stadium could sway the game because I think they're two – I'm going to be nice and call them mediocre football teams. I think they're below mm-hmm. mediocre, but I'll be nice. Um, so the team that tries – and you don't know that. Like we had Matthew Slater talking about human nature and fighting back against two and six mentality. Um, and you have Ron Rivera talking about opportunities and – you know, some guy named Two Hill will have to step up and try to pretend he's Chase Young. And mm-hmm. Hunter Henry says, oh, those guys are going to get opportunities. They're going to. Yeah, but they're not as good. They're backups for a reason. And mm-hmm. I, the, they are professionals. They're all professionals. And they're supposed to show up and give 100 percent, whatever they have. They, they won't all do that. Not all 100 players on the field will do that. So it's weird to say about an NFL game, a professional football game. The team that tries harder will probably win this game on Sunday. Uh, it very well could be the case because if we're going to just look at who's the more talented team, as in who's got the most playmakers, it's hard to look at the Washington commander's offense and say that they aren't significantly more talented. Like just while perusing the starters uh, and the depth chart of the commanders on the Espen right now, they're running backs, Robinson and Gibson, pretty good wide receivers. They have a, a wide receiving core Almost any of the wide receivers that would come from the commanders would instantly be the number one wide receiver now Mm. on the New England Patriots in the wake of Kendrick Bourne going down for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, They have Terry McLaurin, Jamison Crowder, Jahan Dotson, Diami Brown, Curtis Samuel, and Byron Pringle. It's a pretty damn good wide receiving core. And over the last five games now, we were discussing this on Wednesday evening's edition of the Rich Keefe Show. Which quarterback would you rather have for the remainder of this season? Mac Jones or Sam Howell. And I'm sure a lot of people around New England or in Pat's nation would say, ah, Sam Howell, he's a stiff. The kid's three and five, blah, blah, blah. He was supposed to be the number one overall pick. He fell to the third round for a reason. Okay. But over the last five games, Andy, how do you feel about uh, 141 for 209, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns, three picks? And the, the poor guy has been sacked. 22 times he's been sacked 40 some odd times and is on pace to be the most sacked quarterback in the history of the NFL and which has been game. That's bananas the game right there he's averaging yeah. five sacks a game swayed a little bit by nine against the bills when not surprisingly he got sacked nine times it's also his season high in interceptions with four the bottom fell yep. out that day against Buffalo but right. he's putting the ball in the end zone he's a gunslinger he has weapons the he moves very well Yep. The line is terrible. Stop me if you've heard that before. Offensive lines can ruin offenses completely, can ruin quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. That's certainly the case with him. Um, but no, he can make some plays. And that's why I think the key to this game, as I talked a little bit about with Cadillac over on the Clashes podcast, Christian Barmore, Keon mm-hmm. White, 
mm-hmm. and the front. If you guys can make some plays, and Barmore has been on the uptick. He's been one of those small yes. group of Patriots on the uptick. Showed up for the last two weeks. Yes, he has. Absolutely. And Keon White, I think, is a beast who is budding. I think he's a budding beast on that front. If those two guys can get after it a little bit against a bad line, a team that is prone to sacks being allowed, that could sway the game. You could get an easy you know, pick six off of it under pressure or a strip sack, or you get, you know, just a, oh boy, they're in third and 35 now kind of thing because of Mm -hmm. that sack, whatever. I think that's, you know, the set, forget the try part. Maybe Mm -hmm. they both try, maybe neither tries. That's the worst case scenario, by the way. What if neither tries and it's just, we're not, we're not there. We're not there yet. I think both teams are going to convince, like they're both coaches will convince their teams to get out there, play their best, try as hard as they can. Your season's not over yet. You've got more than pride. You still have an opportunity, like you said before, to earn meaningful reps, to earn playing time, to earn a contract, to earn the respect of your teammates. And, Maybe even some of the ad, some of the adulation from your fans who are desperate for someone to make a play and give them something to cheer about. And maybe Bill Belichick is scouting both teams because he's not sure which one he's coaching next. Oh, really oh too soon, but also possibly so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like Sam Howell, it's it's fascinating because they stunk on Rye a couple of weeks ago on Thursday Night Football against the Bears. Yet in two games against the Philadelphia Eagles. They went toe-to-toe, and each one was a field goal game in overtime, and last week was a 38-31 game. It was very entertaining. It's a lot of points scored. And the Eagles have a slightly better defense than the Patriots, dare I say. Uh, Patriots Imagine also- Mac Jones looking at that. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys scored 31 in one game? 31 yeah. points in one game? Like, Is that legal? What's that all about? I when you're, know unless, that. <laughs> unless you're playing a team with their third-string quarterback that's already punted on the season? Ah, oh. man, man, that must be fun. Uh, Patriots also, by the way, Adding to their secondary, in case you haven't heard it, on the multitude of pods, feeds, the radio, and beyond, they signed rookie defensive back Alex Austin, not to the practice squad, but to the 53, just was released, I believe, by the Texans, and the Patriots swooped him up. He was drafted in the seventh round by the Buffalo Bills, a successful collegiate senior season with Oregon State, a couple picks last year, including a pick six. Obviously, a depth move for a Patriots secondary that has been beset by injuries this season. What with the Christian Gonzalez injury and so much more. Andy, do you think this is the and Mar- excuse me and Marcus Jones who went down for the season with the same with the same injury, a torn labrum? Is this a is this one of those flyers? Is this they they always sort of had a good grade on the kid and now they saw he was available type of moves? Yeah, I mean he's from the Texans, which means he's a Patriots type player for Nick Casario mm-hmm. and Casario Bell. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't know a ton about him, but. They, I can't imagine, they have issues in the secondary, yes. The fact yeah. that you have Miles Bryant out there all the time, Sean Wade out there with some regularity is not yeah. ideal. No, Bryant got exposed. Last week there was a big play in the, in the first half where Miles Bryant was in coverage. I think it was on Waddle or maybe. Yep. I think it was Waddle. Uh, yeah, I think it was too. It was like a third and 11, and Waddle absolutely cooked Miles Bryant. Like, sorry, just like in the game against Dallas, as soon as Christian Gonzalez went down, it was Miles Bryant versus C.D. Lamb. Uh, I'll take unbelievable mismatches for 600 Alex like it's that's just well and those are the examples that I put that has nothing to do with Miles Bryant in my opinion nope. it does no it you're a coach that's on percent right coach that's on you I'm Miles Bryant just see the back here it says Bryant and, got a and 27 and- everyone's been fine because yeah. people in the stands look up and they're like no not him no you, you want me to cover CD lamb you want me to cover Jalen Waddle and you get burnt that's on you, coach. That's not. I thought we were a place where we put players in position to succeed and we cover up their shortcomings. We don't put them in position to fail. Uh, I would even include the Marte Mapu um, bracket mm-hmm. coverage on Tyreek Hill last week. That went uh-uh. awry. Like, coach, that's on you. That ain't on me. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still a rookie that doesn't quite know exactly where you're going to ultimately play me. I know you like being able to deploy me in multiple uh, positions, as, yeah. Like I'm kind of a linebacker, maybe a strong safety, definitely not a cornerback, and I shouldn't be involved in covering. I'm not anywhere. I'm an athletic coach, but I'm not as athletic as that guy wearing number ten, who might be the most athletic guy in the NFL right now. So and may get MVP consideration. So let's just go ahead and try to mitigate this disaster before it. Oh no, touchdown, Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. And listen, if you sleep on Washington as well, if Fans set their expectations to the Patriots being able to dominate a three and five team. <laughs> if the Patriots look past them and say, oh, this is a team. Of losers, but no, 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 no. This team has talent. Jahan Dotson, 
bunch of touchdowns this year. Good receiver. Terry McLaurin, potential Pro Bowl, all NFL, like first team NFL type of player talent as well. Brian Robinson, hard nosed running back. Antonio Gibson, great Swiss Army knife type of a, oh, but remember the days when we used to have a third down back who could also tote the rock on occasion as well. They've got wet. And Logan Thomas is a handful as a tight end. I know he's questionable this week. Curtis Samuel also deployed in a multitude of ways. He's questionable this week. But if he's full to go, the Pats and their dinged up secondary are going to have their hands full. And they are definitely going to need to rely on that pass rush. I couldn't agree more. The flip side of that is, as you bring uh-huh. up injuries and injury report, is Trent Brown not practicing. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk of how much he's been gutting it out with the knee and the we got the, an ankle and a knee this week, right? Yeah, and he can't. And and you know my belief: guys that weigh like 400 pounds, lower body injuries are a big deal because there's a lot of pressure being put on those by what is called gravity over the course of a game. Yeah, um, funny how that works. As much as I disparage Trent Brown and I'm not a huge fan of sort of the total package. If or Trent the consistency, Brown, you you and your EEA energy, effort, right. and attitude. It, as much as that is involved here, if he doesn't play, I guess Connor McDermott might be your left tackle. I don't know. And I know that'll be a backup versus backup fight um, because of the trades for Washington. But the offensive line, we thought we were trying to stabilize and get some continuity. And now if you lose Trent Brown, that's going to be a concern against that makeshift new look pass rush. And right. Good luck. Well, Washington can still get out even without Montez Sweat and Chase Young. They still have Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen on the line. Like they can generate a pass rush guy. The two hill guy has like four sacks, I believe, on the year. Who's Casey? Yeah, Casey two hill. He is a this is he's a fourth year player out of Stanford. Six, five, two fifty something. So a wee bit undersized. But like I think he'll probably remind people of uh, Ryan Kerrigan, if I may sort of give you a like comp in a number of ways. Uh, it is not. I'm, I just said in a number of ways. Like, White? So, so, uh, he might very well be as well. So, therefore, there's a number of reasons why. Thank Mike you for trying to portray like Rob Ninkovich. Uh, well, they wore the same number, and they there was a lot of size comparisons as well. Thank you for trying to portray me in a disparaging, if That's not well, Julian Edelman. How come uh, he's not Troy Brown? Once again, there are similarities there that I will not put out. Uh, or uh, shine a light on any further because I am not as superficial as the senator from the South Coast. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I would ask that that be stricken from the record, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy just thinking about how I can advance the podcast to ask our producer to strike that from the record oh. and edit it out. All right, let's move on to our bet of the week. Uh, we have given you about everything you need to know or possibly could consider from the clashes to the Bill Belichick Washington commanders rumor. Now all the stats and facts you need to know about the game. We move on to our FanDuel Sportsbook Bet of the Week. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our friends at the FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, make every moment more. If you have not joined the online sports wagering party yet, please do so at FanDuel.com slash six rings. Andy, I'm going to make it very simple this week. Uh, I'm going to combine both my pick on the game with a propositional so as to give our fans of the NEP an SGP. A same game parlay. I believe the Patriots will win a squeaker. I'm not really comfortable with the now three and a half point spread. It opened at two and a half. Washington trades away two defensive pass rushers. It goes up to three and a half. I think this could be like a one to three point type of game. Tooth and nail squeaker all the way. But I do think some points will be scored. So my same game parlay FanDuel Sportsbook six rings better the week. Give me the New England Patriots on the money line. Combined with over 40 and a half total points, that right now nets you a plus 184. So that's that's pretty good ROI if it should come through. What do you got, kid? Okay, so uh, you know me, Optimistic Andy. It's what I call myself. Nobody listens. I don't know why. Uh, it's weird. Mm. It's yeah. problematic for me. But that's who I am, mm. Optimistic Andy. Mm-hmm. I'm giving my mm. Patriots one more shot. I uh, believe this is going to be a one-score game. Mm-hmm. I believe that Chad Ryland is going to win it with a fourth quarter field goal. I okay. believe the Patriots are going to win 20 to 17. And what does that tell you? Take the three and a half points. I think it is going to be a dog fight. So I'm going to take those three and a half points. I'm not comfortable laying three and a half with this Patriots team, but I do believe they're going to pull off the hard fought effort. I think you're going to get some energy, some effort and some attitude out of Matthew Slater's football team, David Andrews football team, Bill Belichick's football team. And then for my my prop, 
Um, this is one I stumbled upon. I'm, I'm sort of new to the gambling world and I like exploring the FanDuel mm -hmm. app. And so mm -hmm. I found the race to five points in this game. And I believe Washington, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> the race to this is the depths that we are now plumbing to try to find something to talk about or bet on. Give God. me Washington plus 110 to win the race to five points. So that could be two field goals. That could be an opening touchdown. That could be a touchdown after the Patriots get a field goal. I like my chances with the slinging Sam Howells to get to five points before Mac Jones does. So there you have it, folks. Your old pal Nick Fitzy Stevens gives you an SGP, yeah, you know me, of Patriots on the money line and over 40 and a half points at plus 184. Andy eschews going for Patriots on the money line. Rather, he takes the higher odds of Washington getting three and a half points as well as the race to five, Washington plus 110. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. But hey, if all of that comes true, there exists a nice middle ground there where the Patriots win by one to three points, and it goes over. You said 2017, but you didn't put your money where that particular part of your mouth was. And then that would cover Washington and the race to five. All four of those bets could hit. And you know what? A W in Pat's Nation could also line everyone's pockets as we make our way into the holiday season. Hashtag, you're welcome. All right, that'll do for this portion of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast with our preview and FanDuel Sportsbook Bet of the Week. Now, for those of you who have swung by and attended today's Pat's Talk party, we present to you our weekly interview of a Pat's media member on Wednesday afternoon. Young Andrew was able to catch up with a good friend of the show and, of course, one of the bright, young, rising stars of the Patriots media cartel. That would be the one and only Mr. Phil Perry, the senator. Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston, who, of course, has a relationship with Bill Belichick that is unique, to say the least. Andy and Phil caught up on all things Belichick, Patriots, the state of the nation, and so much more. Uh, there's a mild interruption due to uh, some goings on at Foxborough. Don't mind that. The conversation just carries on, kind of like our football season and all podcasts here on Six Rings. So enjoy the chat with Andy and Phil. Check out Cadillac's Crucial Clashes. Of course, our talk about Bill Belichick in Washington and so much more. And we hope to join you tomorrow with a little behind enemy lines action to see what the people in Washington are saying about this matchup and the state of Pat's nation. For Jumbo, producer Turpin, this is Nick Fitzy Stevens saying thanks for listening, as always, to Six Rings and Football Things. Coming up, Jumbo and the Senator here on the feed. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com Therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com Therapy60. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Six rings and football things back at Gillette Stadium for our weekly beat writer chat this week. It is what I'm told the most handsome man on NBC Sports Boston, Phil Perry. Uh, I get that every time I do certain 
other podcasts around the internet. But Phil, thank you for joining us. And are you the most handsome man on NBC Sports Boston? Listen, who am I to argue? If other podcasts are saying it, Andy, it must be true. People are saying. People are saying is popular in the media. It's a way to ask a tough question. So maybe I'll say people are saying the Patriots screwed up the trade deadline, Phil Perry. They did nothing. They did not acquire any talent. There were some rumors and rumblings. Maybe they were even in on big-time players like Chase Young. Uh, Maybe some fans dreamed of trading for a new quarterback. Uh, Some fans dreamed of trading away Josh Uche and Kyle Duggar. Patriots did uh, not a zip zilch. Uh, Just reaction to the trade deadline. I don't think they screwed it up because I don't think there were many offers out there for them that would have made sense for them to pull the trigger. I was someone who said before the deadline that if you could get a third or fourth round pick for Josh Uche, who was widely considered their most valuable trade chip, then yeah, go ahead. Pull the trigger. Those are real picks. A fifth rounder is kind of where I drew the line. And I understand you may lose Josh Uche for nothing this offseason. You may lose Kyle Duggar. You may lose Hunter Henry, Trent Brown. There's a number of free agents to be that you might lose for zero in terms of compensatory pick value on the other end because they have so much cap space. They might spend it all. Therefore, the comp picks get canceled out, not to get all nitty-gritty and over-the-cap.com on you. But I think there is value in holding on to some of those guys, Andy, for two reasons. Number one... I do think, and I know the culture is not real strong right now, I think it's safe to say, but I heard one person describe culture as what you allow to happen. And I think even if Bill Belichick's not here next year, I think if the franchise allows the team to tank, which is what you'd be doing if you traded away two or three of your, I don't know, 10 best players, that to me is a bad message to the guys that are going to be back in the locker room next year and the staff that might be back next year because you're not going to completely start from scratch so that's number one try to have a competitive season even though it looks like it's a lost cause and number two it does buy you time to try to work out extensions with some of these guys and they should be working to extend some of these guys their track record in terms of re-upping with draft picks is bananas zach cox from nesson tweeted out yesterday the last player they signed top three uh, top three round pick that they signed to a second contract was deron Harmon in 2013 That is mind-boggling to me. Re-up with Uche. Re-up with Duggar. These guys are pretty good players. And yeah, you might have to pay a premium. But to me, if you think they're program guys, if they are are part of uh, any solution moving forward, you should be trying to keep them around. And so that's why I'm okay with not dealing them for fifth-round picks. It's funny. I wasn't going to go here. But you bring up culture and you bring up the re-signings. And certainly the Raiders are in the news. And we'll get to that in a minute. But Jacoby Myers is a guy that... Probably was a culture setter, probably should have been re-signed. Do you think there is an issue right now in terms of whatever that is? And could that be aided by a simple, Kyle Duggar has reached a four-year, $70 million contract extension with the Patriots. Do they have, I mean, the Patriot way was a thing for so long. Now, I think people sometimes struggle to describe what the Patriot way was. But whatever it is now is the Patriot way lost. I don't know if signing these guys necessarily fixes that problem or or starts to steer the team in the right direction. But if they're the right guys, it could. It empowers them, I think. I think it allows the team in the locker room to become theirs. They get some ownership over what's happening here. And I think that kind of stuff matters. That's why I was stunned that they didn't do more to try to bring back Jacoby Myers. He is somebody who did everything that they wanted him to do. They want all their players to do. Get the most out of your ability. Do all the right things off the field. Block in the run game. You know, show real toughness. Be that kind of player. I thought he was on track to maybe be a captain. And I know there are players that are still in the locker room now who felt that way too about Jacoby Myers. And now he's gone so he could bring in Juju Smith-Schuster? I mean, like, how is that helping the the fabric of the whatever it is that you want this franchise to be from an intangible standpoint so is it is it the right move just to say well now we got to give those guys money well not if they're the the wrong guys but I think from what we know of Duggar is he is he a vocal leader not necessarily in my opinion but I think he's a, a hard worker and he's pretty dependable and I think he's played through injury and Josh Uche he's been banged up so I don't know if you want to give him a ton of money but 
these guys are at least guys that are familiar with your program. And I think once you start rolling the dice on free agents and spending a lot of money on these guys and hoping that they can latch on to whatever it is that the message is that you're sending, I think there's so much unknown there. I think that's part of the reason the team has lost its way. Yeah, I always use the word regret. Like, will you regret having the guy on your team? You may regret the contract, whatever, money. You start pinching pennies. But, like, Jacoby Myers is the guy. I never thought you'd regret having him on your team. I thought he was the – and I think Kyle Duggar is the same type of guy. Um, you're right. He's he's not necessarily a vocal leader. He's not necessarily going to be Rodney Harrison. But he's playing some of his best football, I would argue, um, over the last few weeks. Now, maybe that's a contract year push or not. Who knows? But he is durable. You talk to people, and they like him. They like the work ethic. They like the ability, if anything. Thing. I think the one shot against him, maybe he hasn't reached the level that some people think his physical ability would take him to. But that brings me to the team right now. Physical ability. Uh, I know injuries are becoming a talking point. A lot of fans and even media members are sort of tweeting lists of injuries and games missed and times missed. And where the hell is this football team right now just in terms of lining up and putting 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, and competing at a requisite NFL level every Sunday they are at or near the bottom of the league in terms of overall talent I mean the Cardinals maybe are a less talented team and the reason I say maybe is because there's actually a few receivers on their team that I think might be the best receivers on your team right now if they were here um we could go through the rosters but you know Buda Baker would be one of your best players that's that's arguably the worst team in football and you're looking at their roster and saying it might be nice to have some of those guys. <laughs> like that's just where they are talent-wise. In terms of high-end talents, who could you even say they have? I, and and I, to the people's point, whoever's pointing out the injuries, Matthew Judon, Christian Gonzalez, Kendrick Bourne, those are real injuries. That's a real problem. Trent Brown, I would say, whether you like or don't like, and I know you've got some strong feelings on Trent Brown, his level of ability is pretty high-end. Uh, Christian Barmore, I would say, is a talented player. But especially offensively, they're they're completely devoid of, I think, what you really need to compete in, in 2023. And so that's why that's why it's um, – I hesitate to use the word depressing, but it's a little – it's got to be tough. If you're Robert Kraft, you're looking at this and you're saying, even if we make major changes to the coach in the front office next year and we have a top five pick and we have a lot of cap space, given some of the people who could be out this offseason – is this a one-year fix? Especially on the offensive side of the ball. To me, defensively, it's not really the problem. Is this a one-year? Is this a one-off season fix, or is this two, or maybe more than that, before we really need to get to um, the level offensively where the contending teams are? I think it's hard to envision it being a quick turnaround. Yeah, I was um, a little more optimistic of that earlier in the year, and as the season has worn on, and I've realized the talent they could lose. Whether, you know, the one-year guys, the Hunter Henrys, the Mike Onwenus, the Kyle Duggars, the Josh Uches, yeah, you're going to have a good draft pick. Yeah, you're going to have cap space, but are you just filling those holes and not actually advancing? Are you just sort of spinning your tires? So given that, given what you said earlier about culture and tanking and not tanking and the message that may send, I mean, the example I think that would be closest is Houston. Houston feels like because they won a football game last year, they catapulted the franchise forward because the quarterback, they like sort of a butterfly effect positive. What is the best case scenario? Not the real one, because I know best case scenario is you win nine games in a row and you finish with 11 wins. You make playoffs. You almost went that far on TV the other night when I was on with you. But what's the realistic best case scenario that can happen for this team over the months of November and December. I appreciate you continuing to bring up the fact that I suggested that the Patriots might be able to win nine in a row in 2023. Uh, it was a devil's advocate sort of thing. Andy, you know, you say weird stuff on TV sometimes. Um, best case scenario for me would be somehow not that you win nine games, but that Mac Jones fixes himself to the level where you think he can be a good quarterback in the right situation, okay? And then with whatever pick you have, so say they win a few games because of that, and instead of a top five pick, it's uh, it's the 10th pick. With that pick, you get a legitimate number one type of receiver. You re-sign Trent Brown. Sorry, Andy. You're back on, <laughs> you're back on the hook with Trent Brown because if you lose him, 
then that first pick probably has to go to a left tackle because I don't even know if there are many you know starting left tackle caliber players that are going to be available in free agency this year. So now you've got the tackle thing kind of figured out. You've got a real receiver. You've got a quarterback. You think you can be good if everything is is aligned. And then that way, that the offense at least then is representative enough that with a, a really good defense, say it's a top five defense next year, best case scenario. Again, that's what we're talking about here. Now you're talking about a team that's sniffing the postseason next year. That to me is sort of the best case scenario. But how many questions do we have about Mac Jones being able to fix this and be the guy that can lead a pretty good team? And is that weapon really going to be there at 10? You know, these receivers that are the high, high end receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr., he's not going to last till 10. Is there somebody behind him that could make a similar impact? I don't know. So it's sort of pie in the sky thinking, but I, I think that would be something approaching the best case scenario for them moving forward. So that is your pie in the sky. My pie in the sky is much more negative, as you're probably not surprised to find out. Um, it's How can it be pie in the sky if it's negative? I, I, long-term pie. Delayed gratification pie. And the road I go down is, and I started this earlier in the year, sort of tongue-in-cheek jokingly, but I believe it more now. Um, it's a slogan, we're not tanking, we just suck. Um, and I actually think that's the best case scenario for the final nine weeks. And I know it's it's almost blasphemy to say in New England, but... I think the closer you are to one of those top two to three draft picks and getting, you mentioned Marvin Harrison, so he could be the best player in the draft. And maybe he lets a quarterback fall to three and you're at three, but if you're at four, you miss Drake May. Or whoever the quarterback is, that'll play itself out in January, February, March. I really do believe you need that quarterback uh, to start over, to really start the process over. I have kind of closed the door on Mac. I agree with you. If some pie-in-the-sky way Mac could become a franchise quarterback or at least tease you into thinking for more than a week that he's a franchise quarterback. Maybe that allows you to really utilize your assets elsewhere, but I think the reality is, and we see it with the NFL, the quarterback. Like People love to bitch about Josh Allen. They're a good football team. They're going to compete. They're going to be in the hunt. Um, the Bengals, oh, you suck, you this, and then all of a sudden Joe Burrow looks better and the Bengals, are, you need the quarterback. So my pie in the sky best case scenario is you maybe win one game the rest of the way, um, and you deal with the pain now for the hope that will come in April. And I think that's fair. And if you're a fan out there who's feeling the way you are, I, I totally get that. I guess I am looking at this team, and there's something still that tells me that because, not just because of the way the teams are built, because I think, again, I think the Patriots have an argument as being the worst team talent-wise in the NFL. I am really having a hard time envisioning them landing one of the top two quarterbacks, Andy. I think they're going to go one-two. And I just don't think the Cardinals are going to let the opportunity pass. They have two first-round picks. Now we're getting way down the line. We're in the spring now. I'm talking about you know, packaging picks together. But are the Cardinals really going to not somehow end up in the first two slots of the draft? Are the Bears really not going to somehow end up in the first two slots of the draft? So I'm almost already putting out of my mind the idea that they'll ever be able to land either Williams or Drake May. And from what I've heard, and it's all preliminary stuff, and the quarterbacks, I'm sure, will get pumped up uh, in scouting circles and in media circles over the course of the next few months. But everything I've heard is the top two guys are clearly the top two guys, and then there's everybody else. And there might be four or five who end up going in the first round, but are they really first round, change your franchise kind of, kind of quarterbacks? They might be. Right, Patrick Mahomes was, you know, the tenth pick to John Watson, even though he's a disaster right now. But he was the twelfth pick. So, um, that pie in the sky thought works. Yours does if they get one of those top two guys. If they don't, to me, you're restarting, but there's no guarantee that you're any better than you are right now, and that is really hard for me to envision. So I will throw out before we move on to the next topic, uh, Fitzy's idea. Because, of course, Nick Fitzy Stevens, a co-host here at Six Rings and Football Things. His idea is sort of in line with yours that you're probably not going to get one of the top two. He wants, let's say Marvin Harrison. Let's put him in that slot wherever you are. You get fortunate enough and you get this generational wide receiver talent. Well, I mean, what are these things I'm reading? Like evaluators think he's already a top five NFL receiver and he's never played an NFL game. That kind of thing. Um, and then you try to pull off the... Chargers old school Ladanian Tomlinson Drew Brees you now have that whatever third pick in the second round do you sit there and get the next quarterback that falls or do you trade up into the 20s to get 
Bo Nix or Penix or one of these guys. And and I don't hate that idea, by the way, because you can pull that off. You can make that work. We see Jalen Hurts, second round pick, right? Like you can get a quarterback later in the draft. If you do it right, you pick the right guy and build around him. And giving him a top five receiver right out the gates to bond with for five years seems like a plan. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We can talk again in January and February. Matthew Slater on our airwaves and even post-game a little bit this week brought up human nature. We know Matthew Slater is the leader of this team, locker room. He's been through everything. He ain't been through this, and he acknowledged that. This is uncharted waters for him, the team, the leadership. And he talked about on the Meg, uh, Jones and Mego show, you know, having to fight human nature now because it is human nature to maybe change your habits, to maybe do things a little bit different. Oh, we're two and six. I can show up at seven instead of six. Do you have that concern that, the bottom could fall out of this locker room that it could become a disaster my concern is that it already has i you know that that would be a real concern if i'm matthew slater or david andrews or one of the other guys that in this locker room that you know is going to want to have their i think we might get a mac jones or hunter henry interview pumped in here in a second andy um it's very exciting we'll pause this we'll be back Back now here on Six Rings and Football Things. want to thank our producer, Justin Turpin, for doing a great job. He's going to weave this together because Jelani Tavai and some press conferences interrupted us. And I want Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston to get back to his belief that, yes, the Patriots are fighting human nature at 2-6. and six, And that may already be a concern with this locker room. Yeah, and the reason I say that is because, number one, if you just watch them play, I mean, does this look like, I know they're not talented and we just talked about that. They're not talented enough. Does it look like a team that's really bought in on all the coaching they're getting? I mean, they had seven penalties the other day, two busted coverages for touchdowns. It doesn't feel like, outside of the stray, Jabril Peppers or Pop Douglas or Kendrick Bourne before he got hurt, it doesn't feel like a really energized, locked-in, focused-on-their-details kind of team. And I think those are the things you're looking for if you're looking for a team that is fully all in on everything that's going on. So that's why I would already be concerned. And I wrote about this a few weeks ago. This was actually right after the Raiders game, because obviously before the firings about 12 hours ago, there were a lot of Patriots guys there. And I had a chance to talk to a few of the Patriot, former Patriots guys in Vegas. And they were describing to me what felt like to them an unrecognizable sort of locker room. And a locker room that still, yes, had a few core staples like Matthew Slater, but they weren't sure who those torchbearers, that's what one person told me, you know, how he would describe Slater and Andrews and some of the others, who those torchbearers are passing the torches to. And so there's a, there's a void. There's a leadership void, I think. Um, and there's questions about, there's haziness, there's a, there's a muddied nature to okay, who's, who's, who's taking us into this next phase, whoever this is? Who's invested? Who has ownership over this team? So I'm already, I would already be concerned about the human nature thing and just how invested, how bought in, how energized they're going to be moving forward for the second half of the year. Yeah, that's an interesting topic, the, the sort of torchbearers and who they're passing it to, because I do think there is a potential void because we talked about it earlier. If you're not re-signing some of your draft picks, some of your better young players, some of the other guys are mercenaries. I know Julius, I mean, uh, Jabril Peppers, not Julius Peppers, uh, has obviously taken on a leadership role, but that was a little bit of a question a couple of weeks ago with the Matthew Slater, no awe, yeah, we're a family. And I know David Andrews was like, it's our locker room, we can do what I want. It is your locker room in terms of Andrews and Slater. Who else's locker room is it after you guys? Okay, two things before we wrap this up. We'll get to the commanders in a minute, but I did want to ask you. You mentioned the Raiders, Josh McDaniels, canned. Um, when I look at football right now, midway through a season, the three worst offenses in football are probably the Raiders, the Giants, and the Patriots who have or had Josh McDaniels, Brian Dable, Josh McDaniels' buddy, who he brought here to New England from Michigan State, and then Bill O'Brien, who has crossed paths with both of them in the Patriot way. Um, is that a coincidence that those are three of the worst offenses in football, or has offensive football gone to a different place and the Patriots and the Patriot-tied offenses have not gone there? It's a great question, and Tom Kern and I have kicked this around a little bit. I wonder, I have a few different theories. I'd love to hear your theory. Theory number one for me is that 
I don't know if it's the X's and O's offense per se, if it's the old Earhart Perkins style of play that is antiquated and it's just not working, or if we should be focused on the quarterbacks with those teams and looking at it and saying, well, okay, it could just be a misevaluation at that position, and maybe there's something to that where you have a certain style of offense, so you don't need a certain kind of quarterback. You need quarterback X, and maybe quarterback X is what is antiquated, and it's not the offense per se. But I would I would look at it and say, I wonder if there is also, maybe this factors into the evaluation of that position, is there is there some kind of hubris involved? And this isn't the case with Bill O'Brien. He was he, Bill. He was Mac Jones's coach the day he took the job. But do these guys look at it and say, we don't need a, a special player at that position. We just need someone to run our scheme. And it's been proven over time that it can work. What is your take on this? Because I, I wonder if they look at it and say, well, it worked with Tom Brady or it worked with Josh Allen if you're Brian Dayball. But we could get somebody else to do something similar and get pretty good results. I wonder if that's part of the equation for those guys. Yeah, I absolutely think it's the quarterback situation. And I think it's the the mentality of those guys because of where they came from. And you, you by osmosis, you, you take things in and it, it affects your judgment. I don't think they're looking for the elite talents at quarterback. And the Patriots are the perfect example. You could not have invested less in quarterback over the last year than the Patriots. I mean, we go back to, to training camp. You finish camp, you make cuts, and you have one quarterback. And he's Mac Jones. He's not that good. It's not like he's Tom Brady and you know he'll never miss anything. We'll worry about backups later. And then the everything they've done, hell, in Vegas, having Cunningham as the backup when he is barely a quarterback, had barely taken reps as a quarterback. So they've kind of not invested in the quarterback position where basically the rest of the world says that's the most important thing in all of sports is the quarterback. So I think it's that. Now, I do think it's twofold. I do think that this offense may be a little bit dated. I won't say bad. I think it could succeed. If you put a good quarterback and some talent here or in Vegas or whatever, I think it could succeed. But I also would say this. Do I think if Mike McDaniel went to the, the Raiders, would they be better immediately with Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Josh Jacobs and some guys that I respect talent-wise? Yeah, I think they'd be better immediately. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I, I do think there are certain things, and it's interesting because the offenses are different, even if you're talking Dayball, O'Brien, McDaniels. Like McDaniels, just watching them on Monday Night Football, and the fullback, right? Jakob Johnson is like a big part of what they do or did. Uh, whereas here there is no fullback and it's a lot of spread it out and empty formations and shotgun, you know, so there are differences between the offenses, but I do wonder if the use of motion, the emphasis on speed, is it not the way it is around a lot of successful offenses across the NFL? Is it not that way in new England, in Vegas, in New York, because they just don't think they need that or is it not there is there an unwillingness to adapt again Bill O'Brien I thought just in the last couple of weeks has done a lot more with motion he's not Mike McDaniel but I've been I would say pleasantly surprised at their willingness to incorporate some of that stuff but RPOs RPOs are everywhere right now and they're they're coming at you fast and furious depending on which team you're looking at Josh McDaniels basically doesn't do them I don't know about Brian Dayball as much. I think they they did a bunch in Buffalo with Josh Allen. Um, But it's still not a huge part of what they do here. They're doing it more with Bill O'Brien. I think they're trying to get Mac Jones comfortable with it by doing more of it. But it's still not like – it doesn't feel like it's a major, major portion of their offensive philosophy. So there's probably parts – there's probably a number of different reasons why these offenses are so bad. (laughs) And it's got to do with the scheme, but it has to do with the quarterback, how you evaluate it how you rely on it yeah it's like everything else there's multiple layers there and there's probably some coincidence to it that those three with those ties are there but it's also the reality okay the reality is the patriots are two and six back to gillette stadium what are we going to get against the commanders who just unloaded their two best pass rushers who hunter henry when we were interrupted accidentally smiled when acknowledging that he wouldn't have to face chase young and then said no 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 i they, they got backups this is a league of opportunity the backups will be just as good um what are you expecting from these patriots against these commanders who sam howell they have a better 
better receivers than you. Keeps that trend going, by the way, that the opponent will always have better targets than the Patriots. Uh, McLaurin, Dotson, they have some talent. What, what are you expecting from this matchup? How embarrassing would it be to lose to the Commanders after they trade away two of their maybe best three players? Like, I love Terry McLaurin. I would put him on that list, way up high the list. But, man, you can't, you can't lose to a team that is actively trying to make itself worse, right? I mean, I, it is possible. I say can't. I, it certainly is. Have possible. you watched the season? <laughs> Will I be picking against them? I might. I might. I just think it's really hard to pick this Patriots team right now. I just think the circumstances, it almost makes it worse for them because at least if those two players were still with the commanders and they somehow wrecked the game, you could understand it. Now they're. I'm. I'm trying to look at their depth chart right now. Casey Tuhill, is Casey Tuhill, and the only reason I know that name is because he actually was a pretty freaky athlete coming out of Stanford a few years ago, and so he was on my prototypical Patriots list and smart guy. He might have actually even been a Campbell Trophy finalist, which is like the academic Heisman they call. It. That's neither here nor there. But if Casey Tuhill owns Micah Wenu or Trent Brown, like on the edge in this game, I mean, boy. It's can you get lower than where they are right now, Andy? That I think would be a step lower than where they are right now. I don't feel good about uh, their odds in this one. I do wonder. Do you think they'll be able to score much, the Commanders? Because I like that Sam Howell's a bit of a gunslinger. It feels like he's sort of volatile though in terms of what the gunslinging will result in. Yeah, I I think if they play the way they played against Miami for the most part, this is a winnable game. Like if you play from in front, if you get a turnover early, that Howell may give you the opportunity for, whether it's Duggar, Pepper, somebody, you know, J.C. Jackson maybe finally, you know, gets a pick and sort of changes things there. I think you can beat Washington because I do wonder, the reports out of Washington are basically everybody wanted to keep those players except ownership. This was sort of a really high-end decision of where we're going as an organization, not a team. Those That sort of divide between organization and team. And I do, it's like what you said, if the Patriots had traded away Duggar on Wenu, Uche, how do you expect them to go fight the good fight on a Sunday? So on the road, after your team sold off, I think that gives the Patriots the slight edge, but uh, I also think your tone was right. How do you pick the Patriots? Like, how do you feel confident picking the Patriots? It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter when or against who. Well, and they just gave the Eagles a real game. And again, I know they had those two really good defensive players, but they scored on a good defense. I don't know if the Patriots right now offensively are really built to to score much more than 20 points. It's just, it's everything is so hard for them offensively. Trent Brown, I actually give him credit. I don't know where you stand on your guy Trent Brown right now because he's he's clearly playing through something, and it hasn't been great, but he's at, he's seemingly trying to grind it out. Can you run on the commanders? I don't think you can throw on them. You just lost your best receiver. I mean, what's their offensive ceiling right now points-wise? Even against call it a slightly below average group it's still low 20s right Mm -hmm. so man i don't know what's your score give me a score you want to score you're going to hold me to this too aren't you yep because this is the start of winning nine straight games to close out the year (laughs) who would say that who would even suggest that that's ridiculous i'm going to give uh the commanders the 26 to 20 victory at gillette stadium on sunday I like it. I'll urge everybody to go over to the uh, Six Rings Preview Podcast for my breakdown of the game and my score, but I'm pretty sure if the Commanders score 26 points, they win the game. Because as you said, I'm not sure the Patriots can score 26 points. I'm not sure they can score 20, so I think you were being kind of kind there. He's Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston. Appreciate your time. Apologize for the uh, interruption from these damn Patriots that don't know what a schedule is, and when they say they're supposed to be here, they come early. He, uh, he gave us his insight, and the takeaway for me from Phil Perry would be very simple. Already worried about the locker room and human nature and where the mindset of this team is. But some of us who like to turn lemons into lemonade would say, that's a good thing because you lose games and then you pick really high next April. Thank you, Phil Perry. Thank you for listening. It's been another Six Rings and Football Things Beat Writer podcast from Gillette Stadium. Six Rings out.